nothing that's fulfilling comes without work, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I took a lot of art classes and um, one thing that I, I took from my professor's story was like, well, first of all, my professor is like probably the most fulfilled person I know. I mean, he wakes up every day happy to be where he is, happy to be making art. Um, but like he was not always good at it and he didn't always succeed and he had a lot of failures and none, and none of it came easy to him. I mean, Mm. (laughs) I mean, he was like, like nothing was handed to him in terms of art. He, and, but, but because he worked for that, um, and he stuck it out and all that jazz, it's, it's fulfilling to the utmost degree. have that right right now um you know we we're still both kind of working jobs that um are not your typical like i can't wait to do this job kind of thing um but we get to see it in in smaller areas you yeah. know like yeah like you have a better marriage when you work for it mm-hmm. geez i like that's a good example carving out time to spend with just Reagan and sit down with her is immensely difficult. Uh, and I'm, and I like, and sometimes when we haven't done it in a while, I feel kind of nervous about it. Cause I'm like, I don't really know what to talk about with her. She almost feels kind of strange, but, yeah. um, but like when you, when you, and that, but like almost every time that we've taken the time to sit on the couch, put Julian to sleep and spend time together, like, at some point the ball starts to roll. We start to get more acquainted with each other again. And we start to, and, and like, I'll I'll tell, I've told her this before, like, man, I forget how much fun you are to hang out with, you know, like, but, and I would have only recognized that if we had made the effort and put the work in to, to do that. Um, cause there's a lot of other things that we could be doing. So that's another great example. I think, yeah, it all just takes a lot of work. When I started, uh, the job that I'm working now, one of my coworkers told me that the job is what you make it. And I think that applies to just about everything. Everything. Yeah. Somebody told me that when I was started to be an RA, he said, uh, being an RA, you make it like it is what you make it to be. Yeah. And let me tell you, I did not listen to that advice. I was, I was not a good RA. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but nevertheless, like, I've learned that, you know, here in the in the past year and a half. So. Well, I mean, again, that that doesn't mean that they're that you can control everything. It doesn't mean that like uh, we all are victims in some way. Mhm. Uh but you don't have to focus on that. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the that's been the big thing for me. Um and when I think about w- what does it mean to take responsibility, that's what I hear. It's that choice which which side am I going to focus on? Mm. The the victim side or the whatever not victim is? What yeah. would that word be? I don't know. Champion. Champion. <laughs> there we go. That's a positive word for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's surprising to me 
what can happen if I am, in, am intentional. Like I, I can actually accomplish a surprising amount. When I first started training for a marathon, I wasn't sure if I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so outside my realm of experience. I didn't know, first of all, I didn't know many people who had done it. Um, it's, I just didn't grow up hanging around athletic people. And also it, you know, I was the first in my family to do that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So it was, it was daunting. Um, and to map out the schedule and, you know, you're going to run this many miles this day, you're going to rest on this day. And, uh, th- there was something about actually writing it out and seeing it. And then once I actually started doing the small runs, the little incremental changes, mm-hmm. I started to think, oh, maybe this is possible. Yeah. Um, and then I did it. Yeah. Um, and it was an amazing feeling when it was over. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, that's kind of a parable that I now apply to as much as I can. Yeah. I guess in all of these examples that you list, there, there are going to be pros and cons, right? So if we were to take the medicine, the medicine example, the pharmaceuticals, the fact that medicine is getting more individualistic, on one hand, that's a good thing mm-hmm. because our bodies are so complicated that sometimes we need uh, medicines that are more tailored to yeah. the individual mm-hmm. and there's not a one size fits all cure for everything. Yeah. But then on the other hand, the the dark side of that is that you start to think that everything is fixable and that everything should be fixed. Yeah. yeah. Even when it's actually working just fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, that identifies like, like you said, some of the pros and cons is that yeah. on the one hand, these advances in technology and in medicine and things like that, like we don't want to go back to a time when we didn't have vaccines, I don't right. think. Like I think that we can label that a good. But at the same time, we should be willing to say, hey, the fact that so much like, like just take vaccines, right? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's not in that distant of past. Yeah. When vaccines for, for many common things uh, weren't available. Uh, when you live in a world where all those things are vac- vaccinated, like I don't live in a world where I legitimately worry about my children dying. Yeah. Right. Which, yeah. which, which changes my relationship and dependence upon God. Yeah. I think in significant ways. Now I don't want to take my children back and, and risk them, you know, getting polio or measles or whatever. But I, I have to also be willing to say, Hey, this good advance in medicine it makes me, it tempts me to think that that I don't need to rely on God, mm-hmm. right? In, in ways that that those who were parents uh, in earlier, you know, a hundred years ago, faced these regular realities, and uh, and, and we don't want to diminish the the goodness uh, that that these advances have had, but we just have to be willing to say, hey, it was a human thing that we figured out. Go figure that something bad came along with it. And one of the bad things that often comes along with medical advance and technological advance is this this illusion that we are champions of our own fate and, and that we're better off that way, too. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with noting the fact that there are some things in Scripture that may that may not be scientifically accurate, it's it, it's okay. You know, you're not going to go to hell for that. It's uh, yeah. it, it's it's okay to uh, to uh, note those things and to and to because I mean, if if God intends for scriptures to be um, used and intends that to be the word of God today in this in this era. Um, 
then you know he means for it to be relevant to this era, and so we have to have that conversation. I think in uh, in when it comes to the scriptures, uh, that that has to be a part of it. So there's nothing wrong with with realizing that. Uh, I think where I think where people go wrong is that people sometimes believe that the fact that the scriptures might not always be scientifically accurate or doesn't doesn't uh, square with what we know about science, they believe that removes some of its grounds for being the uh, the authority. Well, that's the only that's the only <clears throat> grounds that we know of in our day and age. Yeah, secularly, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean yeah. that's that's what we're we're trained to to view history in that way and right. science in that way and right. we mm-hmm. have a very materialistic view of the world. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so um so it's very hard for you know, obviously, you know, in the modern world in this day and time, you know, one of the criticisms of faith is that it 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 uh you know, in in the mind of the skeptic you know, it embraces things that aren't proven scientifically, or that you know they they might, they would even say uh, goes against what we believe scientifically or see scientifically. I don't know that I would go that far, but uh, because I think there's I think there's plenty uh, there's so much still in science that is unknowable. Yeah, and uh, and matters of faith fall under that. Um, now I, that said, one could make the argument that there are there's plenty of things that the church in the past believed was unknowable, but that scientifically we do know now, you know, or that the the church believed one thing and believed it very strongly, uh, so much so that it, you know, you got in trouble if you said otherwise, but now we know for a fact science is totally different. Uh So, um, you know, that's why Galileo got in trouble, you know, things like that. Right. So, um, So that, you know, that's something to keep in mind. When you when you get into matters of of um, when when you start looking at scripture from the standpoint of trying to be a science book, you're you're going to get into trouble. You just really are. It's going to be an issue. Uh, now, obviously, there's some parts of scripture that are more uh, contentious on this matter than others. Obviously, the, the creation story of Genesis. You know, people that that's where the rubber meets the road, right? You know, when when it comes to uh, science and, and so forth, uh, or Things like Noah's flood, or uh, you know the uh, the miracle miracle stories, or uh, the when the sun stood still in the sky. You know mm-hmm. how's that? How does that square with science? How does it square with astronomy? And and it, it totally doesn't. Let's be honest, it doesn't. Right. So, um, what do you do with that? And that's sort of the that's sort of where those questions really come into play. But I think the. I think the question also needs to be, well, what does it mean if it doesn't square with science? What is that going to mean for you? Does that mean you're going to throw out all the rest of Scripture? And if so, why? Why should you throw out the rest of Scripture just because you find one thing that doesn't square with science? Um, and I don't really have a good answer for that because I don't think there's any reason to. Um, I, you know, Now, the someone who's trying to play devil's advocate would say, well, you know, if you do that, how do you know what parts to take as serious and what parts not, and so what parts to question and what not? Uh, I don't know. You know, that's that's a that conversation could go, could go on forever. But I just think that um, 
I just I can only speak for myself. And, my, and for me, you know, my religious experience jibes with what Scripture has taught, what Scripture says about Christ and the Holy Spirit and so forth. And it's all there. And um, so even if there's things that don't that don't square scientifically, that doesn't necessarily mean I want to throw out the Bible as the authority of truth in my life. Now, when I say truth, what I mean by that is what I mean by that is spiritual truth. It's truth when it comes to what it has to say about God, what it has to say about the nature of God, what God is, what God is doing, and and who God is, and the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so forth. Um, I don't. I'm not necessarily interested in going to the Bible to find out the distance between our star and the nearest star. I don't think you're going to find that in the Bible. You know, I don't think you're going to find in the Bible. Um, you know, things like um, you know the size of the 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 solar system, or you know things like that. It's just you're not going to do that. You're not going to understand uh, cellular biology by looking in Scripture. It's that's not what it's for. It was never for that purpose. So. Uh, it's the Bible is to reveal things about God. It's, to reveal, it's God's revelation about Himself. And a lot of times we we like the exit interviews, even with these classes. Mm-hmm. I like to see what they say when they come out of the class, mm-hmm. and they'll say things like, "I loved being with other women who are going through the same thing I'm going through," or "I loved." Uh, learning about the Bible. I didn't know these things. So we're inst- mm-hmm. these teachers are instilling the Word of God in them as they equip them to be new moms. Yeah. And then as they go through these classes, they earn what we call mommy money. Um, it's like uh, Monopoly money. But everything, um, everything they do, they can earn. It's an earn-while-you-learn program. Okay. So if they come on time, that's teaching responsibility. They earn a little money. As they complete classwork, they earn some mommy money. As they complete homework, they earn mommy money. And listen, they can amass several thousand dollars Mm -hmm. real quick. And then we have a room, both of our offices has a a client resource room um, where they can shop then and purchase things for their babies. Anything their baby Mm -hmm. needs from diapers and wipes to formula to baby car seats and cribs, yeah. and we keep those on hand for them. There's a, a price attached to them. And they feel, you know, we're not a handout. We're a hand up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they feel so good. They have worked now to earn this money, mommy money, and mm-hmm. um, they feel very good about them being able to purchase things for their babies yeah. to create their own layette um, uh, for their children. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's brilliant because you're you're helping them, but it's in a way that they that they're kind of in control of. That's right. That's, that's, it's tangible yeah. for them. Right. And um, they they just have great satisfaction. And uh, we even have, we have a lady there that does nothing but uh, shop with these women. They schedule shopping appointments. And we started this a few years back. Um, they come in at a specific time okay. that they have scheduled okay. to shop. 
30-minute intervals. They can shop till they drop That's or awesome. at least until the 30 minutes is over. <laughs> yeah. And this lady that will work with them, that's her part of the ministry. Her, mm-hmm. She's a volunteer, and she just loves on them while they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can walk through and see this lady praying for these girls, maybe uh-huh. holding their hands because that some need has come up or they're praying for their child. Maybe their baby's getting ready to be born. So this is her part of the ministry, and then she's assisting her as she shops. Yeah. So that's a that's a very important part of what we do. Mm-hmm. That's really it is, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is. And we do have a lot of women who have changed their mind. They were going to abort their child, Mm -hmm. but they've changed their mind. And now they're going through this program, learning how to be a good mom. Uh Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. And and we keep the program. You know, some of the centers have done away with their resource room, but we keep ours because we know that one of the reasons that women give for having an abortion is the material need. Yeah, um, so, they don't have enough money. Yeah, to, uh, buy, to, to buy these to buy things. the things yeah. the baby yeah. needs. Maybe they're saying they don't have a support system. Yeah. Well, they're right there with other women. They have a mm-hmm. teacher that they can lean on, and they know that. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so they have a support system now that they didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. And then very often they just say, "I'm really young. I I don't know how to take care of a baby." Well, they're going to learn in uh-huh. these classes, yeah. and so. Um, by equipping them in this way, we see women that we're answering some of the reasons that they said, I have to have an abortion. We're meeting yeah. that need. So yeah. we've kept our, our classes and our material goods uh, for them just because we think it speaks life yeah, into their it lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm.